0: The following message is from King's Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. For more information, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com. We are going to pick up on our series in uh, First Peter. So if you have your Bible with you, you can turn to First Peter. Um, and um, we are going to be looking at chapter 3. Uh, we've been previously doing a series, uh, doing kind of walking through First Peter and kind of picking up uh, just a few values through, uh, from 1 Peter on our life together as a church. What does that look like? What um, has what God designed for us as a church in terms of um, serving Jesus, serving each other, serving the city? So we, um, we have been looking at um, called to be a community. Looked at that of chapter 1. And then Bauer last week uh, came and preached for us from chapter 2 on being on a mission And now we're going to be picking up in chapter 3, picking up in verse 13, um, and just going to be talking about everyday evangelism. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read our verses, I'm going to pray for God to help us, and then we will look at this together. 1 Peter chapter 3, picking up in verse 13. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake... if it is God if it should be God's will then for doing evil. Father, we thank you for your word to us and we ask that you would help us to be faithful and would you fill us with hope now as we look at this text to give us guidance to share Christ with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week Bauer picked up on this whole idea from 1 Peter uh Talking about mission, one of the things he picked up out of the book of First Peter is that First Peter was written to a bunch of people who were uh, suffering, who were being persecuted, who were oppressed for their faith, um, and they were. Ri- it was written to a context of people who had uh, very little power, um, very political, very little political power, and yet he is calling them to be shaped by the gospel, to love those around them with the gospel and have a different orientation towards those around them because of the gospel, because of Christ, um, in the midst of all this persecution and oppression. And what I, what we find helpful in this first first Peter, that is why we're looking at this, is that Peter is driving us to, every, to the everyday realities of our lives, everyday needs of us as a church. And one of these this great illustration that Bauer brought up that kind of drove us into this picture was a neighbor in their, or a guy in their church, who had a neighbor. Um, he discovered that his trash can had been being moved, and his neighbor was the one who kept moving it. And like all of us, he would probably get, he was getting frustrated because his trash wasn't being picked up. And after a few months, goes um, talks to his wife about it. His wife says, "You know, maybe Jesus wants you to pray about this before you go and confront him." Prays about it. God changes his heart. And then he goes and he confronts his neighbor. Not confronts, but he just says, Hey, you know, Mike, I'm I'm really, you know, I care about you, but I just want you to know, I know that you're moving my trash can. um, And my trash can is is not getting picked up because of you. um, But I still love you because of Jesus. And I just want you to know that I don't, I'm not angry with you, but I would like to address this situation. (laughs) And so surprisingly, what happened was his neighbor shared with him that he, his neighbor is a radio host, host a radio program, and he had been telling his radio audience um, for the last few months that he had been doing this to provoke his neighbor. like He'd intentionally be going after him because he knew he was a Christian. Um, and that he was shocked by his response because what he had been telling his listeners for the last three months was uh, being a Christian doesn't do anything to change how you respond to the world around you. And here was his neighbor proving that he was dead wrong, that he loved him for Jesus' sake. (laughs) But Please stop doing this with the trash can, but I'm not angry. Um, And so Bauer's very pointed and I thought helpful question for us last week was, how does being a Christian change how you respond to somebody messing with your trash can? So that recap of last week. So what I want to talk about from last week then is to kind of pick up from this whole idea of how do we talk about mission? So that's how do we change, how does being a Christian change how we engage those around us, our neighbors, our coworkers, our city. And then what Peter doesn't just leave us there, he wants to draw us into specifically talking about Christ with those around us. And that's kind of what we're talking about with evangelism, everyday evangelism. So the reason I bring this up is because Peter's Program, so to speak, for evangelism is not—it's um, not a specific tract. It's not trying to gain political power. Um, I just—I feel like I have to say that. Amidst our political season right now, it is not our job to uh, win the White House in any way. And I'm not sure how you can <laughs> at this point. <laughs> but the point of what Peter draws us to is actually to grow in our hope in Christ. And because we love and grow in our hope in Christ, um, sharing Christ with those around us. And specifically what he's talking about here, remember this whole suffering idea of what's been going on, or that persecution stuff um, that he has been drawing out for, that's kind of going in the background of 1 Peter. Peter says basically the context of suffering and uh, hard, difficult realities of life is actually, that's the very context that God gives you for evangelism. That's the context that God gives you to engage those around you with the hope of the gospel. That is effectively your platform, um, which I find helpful before we start getting into the text more intentionally, but I find helpful that Peter draws us to the ordinary things of life, like life being hard rather than giving us a program of like, here, make sure that you give them this gospel tract and then follow them up with this. Because I think when we talk about evangelism, I think we all just kind of begin to feel guilty and be like, I stink at evangelism. Um, I can just confess, uh, it's funny, Jay was talking about this, uh, uh, coffee shop in the area and I was like, he has actually had more opportunities to share Jesus with the baristas than I have because I'm a bit embarrassed to talk about like, oh, I'm a pastor, (laughs) you know? I would just confess this sermon is for me. Thank you guys for joining along. So we are going to be looking at how Peter draws us into the category of evangelism, draws us into the category of thinking about how to share Christ with those around us. And because he is addressing this to people that are in oppression and hardship and trial, what we're going to be looking at here, and I think what what Peter has for us, what God wants us to see, is that in the face of all hardships, we must share the hope of Christ. In the face of all hardships, we must share the hope of Christ because hope is the predominant word that he's using here. It's the predominant theme. It's the predominant tone of what he's talking about. And yet, hardships is kind of going on in the background of this whole passage. So, we're just going to keep it real simple tonight. Not three points, but two points. <laughs> so, you get a discount on this sermon, so to speak. We're going to be looking at how hard... In hardships, we must be... We're going to pick up in verse 14, cultivating holy lives of hope. So verse 14, we're going to be cultivating cultivating holy lives of hope. And remember what's been going on here. Peter has been grounding their experience of life um, in Jesus, not as um, those who have the best uh, political strategy, but as those who are in exile. So because They are now in Christ. They are effectively resident aliens. They belong. They have the same zip code. They have the same last name, but they now belong to a different kingdom. They now belong to a new nation, and they are passing through. Um, They are distinct from the people around them. They're going somewhere to be with Jesus, um, and they're going to be looking different than the people around them. So with that in mind, let's pick up at verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you? if you are zealous for what is good. But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. So you see, here's this picture you kind of hear in the background, this exile language. You know, they all have their caravan picked up. Their lives are now changed because of Jesus, and they are now looking different than the people around them because they are called to love Christ as holy and to reflect him as holy. And as they, re- they reflect Christ and are zealous for good works, so they're zealous to love people around them, zealous to love the people that are in their lives, they are going to look different, but they're going to look different in contexts that um, are rather ordinary. Um, because what I find interesting is that leading up to this whole passage, you have uh, in Psalm in verse eight. I don't know. What, I don't have to turn, turn my page, but maybe for you, you have to. But in verse eight, uh, the picture of what he pulls out for them is he pulls from Psalm thirty-four, which is a psalm where David was very much like us. David was. Uh, God's servant, he loved God, God had been called him to be made king, and yet here he was, he had been exiled out of his own nation, he had been kicked out, and he was kind of running around and hanging out with foreign nations, and his whole Psalm 34, whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil, his lips from speaking deceit, let him turn away from evil and do good, let him seek peace and pursue it, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So you see, here is David praying the Psalm to love the people around him, to, to be holy, be distinct, but not separate, right? So that the predominant theme is not, oh, I'm better than you. The predominant, what he's saying is, no, I, I want to love God and obey God and love the people around me to invest in their lives and care about them. And what I, he's doing that in a context where he has no political power, right? So David, no power. He is a king not in his kingdom, he uh, is a servant, effectively, in this foreign kingdom, which is exactly where we are at, and which is why I think Peter, in the chapters kind of leading up to this, he addresses the very ordinary things of our lives. Political powers, marriage, work, right? <laughs> he talks about, uh, which I find fascinating, just, I find it fascinating that Peter says, uh, honor the emperor in a context where the emperor was trying to do him in, Right? <laughs> The emperor was trying to put these Christians to death, and yet he told them, submit to your authorities. Honor God by submitting, even to people that are trying to kill you. And then he goes on to talk about servants and employment situations. Look, bless those who are your uh, employer, even if they're jerks and aren't great people to work for. Try to bless them. And then he talks about wives. He specifically addresses wives and and marriage, Marriage, uh, wives who are married to unbelievers. Look, Bless your husband, love him, uh, pray for him, and by your good conduct and serving him, win him to Christ. Which, by the way, I think is fascinating that in this context where slaves and wives, specifically slaves and women, were like, you don't talk to them, you don't address them, they're not important. Here he is subverting their culture by saying, no, God values them. God values. Women and God values employment, God values them and gives them specific instruction how to reflect Christ. So here he is specifically giving them instruction on how to live holy lives, to love God in a situation where they have no power. So that's what's going on, right? They have no power, they have nothing to kind of hang their hooks on for hope in this life, and yet in Christ, they have everything they can to hang their hooks on for hope in the life to come. So how do we cultivate holy lives? in hope. Because that's the thing, right? I don't know if we are talking about cultivating holy lives in hope, not just kind of cultivating holy lives in general. We're talking about holy lives in hope. And what is what does Peter give us to change how we perceive things? I think what Peter is doing is he is drawing us to think about the fact that in Christ so we have verse fifteen But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Because in Christ, we have the gospel which says, Christ received everything that we should have received, so that we should receive everything that he should have received. So that is to say, in the gospel, we get what we don't deserve. That's Jesus. And Jesus got everything that we deserved, so that the verses leading up to that make a bit more sense because when we don't get what we feel like we deserve, we have a savior who didn't get what he deserved. We are following in the footsteps of Christ. When Christ did not receive what he deserved, he still trusted in God. He still continued to have faith in God. He still, for our sake, continued to walk towards the cross. And so, I think when the gospel is a view what he has for us is a hope that because Christ has been raised from the dead, our holiness is in the life to come. Our, our hope of holiness is not for the immediate uh, realities that are around us. Our, our expectations of the world around us are not the uh, hope of holiness, so to speak. Uh, we, don't get, we aren't holy. We aren't growing in holiness. We aren't desiring to be holy uh, because we are trying to get a pat on the back today. <laughs> actually it 's because we are living in light of that day where Christ will come again, so the the expectations it 's the expectations that he begins to kind of go after with our desires for holiness right it's it's why 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 are we trying to be holy it's because we know that the reward of God himself the reward of a new heaven a new earth, the reward of getting um, new bodies and the reward of not having frailties and sin, the reward is in heaven and not today. But I think it's helpful to kind of recognize that he is going after our expectations in the context of suffering. Because suffering or hardships really exposes, um, it really exposes uh, what our expectations about life are, right? Uh, I don't know um, what sort of, suffering or trial or hardships you've experienced. But, um, when you, uh, when you walk through, for example, suffering, um, maybe, uh, being misunderstood, right? You want to defend yourself. I don't know about you. I had this, this happen this last week in an email exchange where I was misunderstood by somebody and man, I just wanted to go after it. <laughs> But the reality is that our holiness is not in going after justifying or vindicating ourselves, right? Our holiness is in having patience and gracious responses and a, a gentleness with people. Because that's the way in the gospel, God has been gentle and careful and patient with us. It is because we will one day have, um, have the truth laid out. We will see God for who he is. Our expectations are put to test in the midst of suffering and trial because we often feel like uh, we deserve better than what we get or we deserve differently from what we get. And um, that is, I think, the context where Peter is going after what our desires for cultivating a holy life are. Um, because if we know that we're going to be re- inheriting heaven... Inheriting a new earth, um, it kind of changes our orientation. If we know that God's going to vindicate us in the end, it just, it changes our vindic our perspective in the end. Um, like if you were going on a trip, uh, if you were planning to go around the world, for example, if you were planning to go on a trip to go around the world, uh, you are going to start making sacrifices today for that trip, right? Like if I'm going to go take my boys to India, uh, which I'm not sure why I would do that, but <laughs> if I were to try to do that, um, I would start kind of maybe like tightening in the budget a little bit, right? I'd start making sacrifices. I would start orienting my life and behavior around uh, the trip to come. The, uh, the you, know, you start reading about it. Maybe you start learning a new language. Maybe you start kind of planning in your budget. But if you were kind of orienting your life around being – in the, uh, about going where you're on your trip, that's kind of like, uh, what we're talking about here, right? Cultivating holy lives of hope means that we are looking towards a reward for our obedience to God now that is not available to us right now. And I think we specifically see that, like we were saying, in suffering. I was talking to, um, I was talking to Paul, so Paul Buckley is going to be here next week to help us do the the membership service. But um, many of you know him; he's preached here before he's our uh, they're the, he's the lead pastor of the church. That sent us out, but he just got back from a trip to Nepal. Um, if you're friends with him on Facebook, uh, you probably saw some pictures of him in Nepal. He has it; he has a giant head, and they have like these hats, and you, they're Nepalese people, and so they're not nearly as largely proportioned as Paul is. So. I mean, Hat that didn't fit his head. Anyhow, he was telling me about how the predominantly Hindu and Buddhist background for everybody there, that suffering is kind of like something you just kind of like endure, right? It's just kind of like a part of life. Uh, it's a part of just kind of the makeup of where the, where life is. Uh, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just to endure um, in the world. But uh, what we have here. In how Peter is addressing us with the whole topic of evangelism, is he's saying, "No, your suffering, the hardships you experience, whatever they are, whether they're from, you know, parenting problems uh, and getting angry with your kids, to like legitimate, continual, ongoing medical problems or depression or trial or suffering, those are the context in which God is teaching you that your holiness is about the world to come. Your holiness is about." being with Christ is about knowing Jesus and it's actually training you to be like him. So he says, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts, honor Christ because you will verse 14, be blessed. There is a blessing to come. And I think that the blessing that he is holding out is, uh, if you are to look, um, so when, when, when he talks about you will be blessed verse, um, Verse 9 says, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for, to, for this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. And then in verse 14, he talks about again, uh, "You shall, um, for you will be blessed. I think that the blessing that he has there for them is there in verse 12. The, ver- the blessing that God is going to be rewarding holiness with for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. You receive the attention of God in Christ. He cares about you, which is why I think in, at, the end of the, at the end of the book, verse seven, chapter five, verse seven, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Your holiness is grounded in God because he cares for you. He's the one cultivating it in your life. So, if you've been tracking with me, are we all tracking? I feel like I'm a bit discombobulated tonight. We're okay? Okay. We're all good. We're just gonna, you can call in response, you know? <laughs> so, um, if you've been tracking with me, what, I, what you've been hearing me say is we're our lives cultivating our lives of holiness, but we're talking about kind of in the broader context, evangelism <laughs> so how how does evangelism connect with what we 're talking about? well as I was saying I think that what, what Peter's been doing is kind of laying a platform your life cultivating hope amidst suffering, cultivating holy lives of hope, hope filled with who God is and Christ looking forward to seeing him because God has saved you in Jesus knowing that he 's going to raise you from the dead and you will inherit the new world to come. It is not just about your lives, Peter is very attentive to our lives, but let's pick up back in verse 15, it's not just about lives, cultivating holy lives of hope, it is in hardships we must be preparing hope-shaped words. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it's better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So, I don't know if we actually sang a song by uh, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, All Creatures of Our God and King. There is a a phrase attributed to him, preach the gospel, and if you must must use words. Uh, By the way, he actually didn't say that. (laughs) That's a a false attribution. It's just a quote that happened to have been associated with him because he liked animals, I guess. I don't know. But um, I think that maybe a better way to tweak that phrase is, uh, and this is not original to me, preach the gospel, and since it's necessary, use words. Right And so Peter, using, laying the context of our lives matter, our lives filled with hope, now he goes on to talking about how to have hope-shaped words, preparing hope-shaped words. So there we go in verse 15. But in your hearts honor Christ as Lord, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Now, what I want to say here is this verse is not, um, this is not the first text for an apologetics class. Like this is talks about apologetics, but this is not like, okay, now you need to go read, uh, Van Til's Christian apologetics or John frames, the doctrine of the knowledge of God. Like those are great books, but I'm telling you, this is not about (laughs) those books. This verse is about giving a witness to the hope that you have in Christ with your words in the context of the suffering and hardship in your life. Right, he's talking about these people. Look, you're, hard things come. There is a common ground between all of creation and all humanity because life is hard. <laughs> but in the gospel, we have a hope that this is not everything that there is. That God is going to re—he's going to change the dress of creation someday, and that—that that is the hope that we're looking forward to, and it is the hope that gives us the faith to trust in God amidst difficult difficult days, our lives become an apologetic for the gospel, right? Our, our lives become a defense of the gospel because we have hope amidst the difficulty around us, being cut off in traffic, being snubbed at work, having the diagnosis that continues to come in, having the medical condition that won't go away, the difficulty that we experience but in the in those having hope, not just kind of hope in general, but specifically in the person of Jesus, having hope in Him, it changes how our words, our words come out. Right? Our, a bit. Of, if you kind of imagine it, a bit of like um, your life is like a big pot of soup, and your words are like dripping a ladle down into it and pulling, pulling something up out of it. Your life steeped in the hope of the gospel when suffering and trial hits you at a daily basis, whatever it is, your words are how you reach down and pull out that hope to evidence. No, I, I know Christ. I, I know that he loves me. I know that he cares about me, which is why I think that just as a, a side point, um, Peter goes on to talk about baptism verse 18 through 22 talks about baptism and he uses this picture of Noah and Jesus and baptism and it can seem a bit confusing but basically what's going on is though uh, the waters of judgment should have destroyed us because of Christ we have been preserved to know God that's that's basically what he's talking about there because th- because we should have been destroyed by God's wrath been killed by the wrath of God, flooding over us in Christ. We're just like Noah, being preserved from God's wrath and being saved to know God. And it's in baptism that we make our first profession of faith, right? That's where we profess Christ. Look, I'm, I'm just telling you, I'm a Baptist. <laughs> we're not gonna be baptizing babies. We're gonna be baptizing people who have made a profession of faith in Christ. And it's that profession of faith, the hope that God loves me and saves me in Jesus that's why he goes to baptism. I think, uh, by the way, if you haven't been baptized, we can dunk you. We're good with that, you know. Um, we'll find a pool somewhere. Actually, that'd be great. Middle of January. See how much you really believe in Jesus, right? <laughs> But I think it is specifically the content of the gospel is verse 31, baptism, which corresponds to this, so this being saved from God's judgment by faith in God, now saves you not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is to say that Jesus Christ died on my behalf and lives on my behalf so that I can have confidence that God has forgiven me because of Jesus. For a good conscience. I, we do not have a good conscience apart from Christ. We have a conscience that uh, condemns and eats away at us, but in Christ we have the release of a good conscience because God loves us for Jesus' sake and not for our sake. And so the hope that we have that shapes our words is verse 22. Who Jesus Christ, who who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers, having been subjected to Him. Which is to say, all the ways in which you feel powerless in your life, all the ways in which you think that things are going horrible and that the world is going to hell in a handbasket, all that stuff, all the ways in which the world is puts you at um, at hardship and trial. Jesus Christ stands supreme over that. He stands supreme over it. And not only does he stand supreme over it, but he knows your specific name and cares about you personally. So when you open your mouth, it is shaped by the hope of Christ. So how does that connect to evangelism? Well, like we're saying, everybody in this world, is experiencing hardship just like you. Everybody goes through difficulty and trial. But is in the midst of that, tr- that your life of hope, your words of hope comes out, Is in the midst of that that your life reflects a hope that, yeah, life is hard. This is not going the way I expected it. I did not expect to get this diagnosis. I did not expect to lose my job. I did not expect to be single this long. I did not expect for these trials to be upon me. And yet, I know that Jesus loves me. I know that he cares about me. And he gives me hope. He's the one right, you know, calling the shots. He's the one writing the story. I'm the character in his story. And I know that he cares about me. Which is to say, your life as a a platform with your friends and neighbors, now because of Christ, when there is trial around you, gives you the opportunity to share the hope of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you have a (laughs) how-good-are-you-tracked Oh, yeah, I just got a cancer diagnosis. Can I tell you the five points of the gospel? Boom. That's not what I'm talking about. It can be, yeah, you know, I... Cancer, God will raise me from the dead one day. Or I know that God's with me. Or as your friend, like I had a neighbor of mine, a lot of hard things going on in his life, listening to him and just being able to say, you know what, I think that God wants to carry those burdens with you. Just being able to share. So, you know, it wasn't a gospel presentation, wasn't anything fantastic, it wasn't for the systematic theology books of all eternity, (laughs) But it was a moment to be able to say, God, God knows you. God has given me hope. I think he wants to care for you too. It's sharing the gospel at a very basic, simple level. It shapes the tone of our words because every hardship is not only shaped by the gospel so that it's put into a different perspective because of Jesus but helps shape our words to express our gratitude, to express your gratitude to God amidst the world and the hardships around us. So, in conclusion, I just want one thing. I think that maybe we can walk away from this with, for our lives to become more evangelistic, to be oriented towards those around us. I think that maybe one thing that we could try to do is to dwell on the gospel more deeply. To get to know the gospel more intimately. To think about the gospel every day. The gospel that though I was opposed to God, so here Peter is addressing people that have opposition. We have to remember before we get into who wins and who said what and who did me dirty, we have to remember that before we talk about the opposition that we receive. We have to talk about the opposition that we gave to God, that we give to God by nature, that we are born with a clenched fist in God's face. And yet God and his mercy has saved us, not because we asked him to, but because Jesus loved us and died for us. So that we can, with with Paul in Galatians chapter 2, For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me for the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God. This is the part. Who loved me and gave himself for me. The gospel that becomes personal to me, to you. That God, before opposition comes at me, I was the one opposed to God. And yet God loved me, cared about me. And so my day is not as, that I wake up, yes, there's pain, I need to take the pills, do away with the pain. Yes, there's depression, I need to talk to a friend to help me. Before any of those things happen, my day is defined by somebody that is loved by God. Loved by God so dearly that he sent his son to die for me. Loved by God that though the world falls around me, yet I know that God will raise me from the dead in Christ. I know that not only will God raise me from the dead in Christ, but he will give me a new body and that we will have a new and better creation to enjoy, which is hard to believe in the fall in New Hampshire. I mean, this is incredible, but God will give us a better world in Christ. This is all before I even take my first breath in the morning. This is the hope that he intends for our lives to be hooked into for the future that gives us hope for the day now. So, hardship comes during the day. But here we have been resting and dwelling in the gospel that God loves me in Jesus. And so my words now begin to testify to my friends and neighbors, this is who God is for me, how he has shaped me and changed me in Jesus. So that evangelism becomes less about going and handing out programs all those things, those are great things. But evangelism now enters into the everyday of your life, right? Everybody here is breathing. Everybody here can talk. God has wanted, is wanting to use the context of your hardships so that you can share the hope of Christ in your everyday life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. We thank you that in Christ you have redefined our lives to have hope in you that one day we will see you face to face. And so, God, we now turn to you and we ask that you would help us to be able to share the hope of the gospel with those around us, that the hardships will come and are upon us, that we can and must share the hope of Christ. Would you help us by your spirit's power? In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Kings Cross Church in Manchester, New Hampshire. Please feel free to share or distribute this content, but do not charge for it or alter the content in any way without permission. Kings Cross Church exists to treasure, proclaim, and grow in the gospel of Jesus Christ. To find out more about Kings Cross Church, please visit us at kingscrossmanchester.com.